Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the number one country smackdown podcast. This is Jesse, joined as always by my favorite podcast co-host in all the land, Mr. Andrew Baker. How are you doing today, sir? Fantastic. How are you? How's everybody else? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing great and you're doing fantastic. And I think people are going to be excited to be back on their listening devices with us. I hope. Yeah, because I'm sure they've missed us as much as we've missed them. <laughs> it's been a while, you know, coronavirus is doing its thing, and then there was like, you know, cop things and riot things and stuff. But Social unrest. Yeah. And, yeah. But you know what? Like, it might keep us apart for a period of time, but we get back and we do what we do, which yep. is talking about country music. Country. On the number one Country Smackdown podcast. If you're listening in for the first time, this is the podcast where on a normal episode, we break down... Number one songs from the same week, month, and year, but decades apart. And we put them in a head-to-head battle to see which one we think is best, according to our random criteria, and the winner doesn't get anything. But, Mr. Baker, this is a special episode. This is not necessarily same week, month, and year. Right. This episode, listeners, what we decided to do was honor the coronavirus casualties, the country singers who have passed away and we're not going to get into politics or you know describing if they had other conditions or whatever <laughs> we're just going to attribute it to coronavirus and we're going to say that these guys died either of or during the coronavirus strict strictly in memoriam as a as a sign of respect and that's right honoring their legacies and this is not to uh, put them head to head against one another in order just to determine that one is great and one stinks or anything like that it's just to celebrate both of them because I don't know about you, sir, but you know, in, in preparation for the episode, I just realized how much more I appreciated these guys. Oh yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, you know, you you start to like hear songs that you you remember, but you don't remember that you remember exactly until you you hear it again, and you're like, oh yeah, that one. Yep, exactly. So it, it, was, it was kind of fun. Very much so. And so uh, for this episode. We are just going to be breaking down the two coronavirus casualties. That is the legend Kenny Rogers and the at least solid, maybe not legendary, but the solid career of Joe Diffie. Honestly, I, I feel like uh, sadly underrated is is what I would consider Joe Diffie yeah. today. Yeah, I agree because he was great. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's. We'll get into that here in just a quick second. But listeners, you know, we always like to recommend some stuff. What it's the we call it the what are you listening to segment. So let's start with you this time, my awesome. friend. What are you bringing to the table as I get it queued up here? Uh, this was uh, a, a little treasure that popped up. Uh, it's from um, what's the name of the album? I believe it's Hold My Beer Part Two. Okay. A uh, couple of uh, Red Dirt 
country artists, uh, Randy Rogers and Wade Bowen, have done a few albums together. I was going to say, is there a Hold My Beer Part 1? There is a Hold My Beer Part 1. I haven't listened to either of them. No. Nope. I need to do that. I guess it's a it's a surprise treasure. Okay. So uh, going with a uh, song off of Hold My Beer Part 2 called Speak To Me Jukebox. Yeah. Definitely has kind of a an old-timey sound. Does a lot of uh, kind of name-dropping of, of classic country tunes and lyrics, and it's, it's just a fun listen. So you're saying there's not going to be digital drums or anything like that uh that would be correct yes right. speak to me yeah dude that sounds great Love it. It's one of the, the like you don't even want to say much about it. You just want to you just want to let it play. Just keep listening. I love the way the. Oops, sorry, getting some feedback there. Such a traditional feel. Yeah. Yeah. Their voices blend together nicely. Listen to that tasty violin, fiddle playing. Got that Western swing feel to it. It's a nice, nice homage to to the classics. Yeah, their voices blend together really nicely. It's almost like if uh, Big and Rich made traditional sounding music. Yeah, it yeah, might I can sound see that. like this. I can see you know, that. this has a feel. There was a Big and Rich song. You'll have to excuse my French, but why does everybody want to kick my ass? Do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. You know, the feel of it is similar. Wow. So that's Speak to Me Jukebox by Randy Rogers and Wade Bowen. Yes, sir. Have you listened to much of the rest off that album? Uh, I, I think I listened to it all the way through once and have kind of hit it a, hit a couple songs a couple times. Is that the standout track or are there others that are that good? That's that's like off the top of my head. That's That's probably my favorite, but. I mean, it's it's solid pretty I like, much all the way through. I like that a lot. That is great. Well, I discovered through one of those YouTube suggestions, if you liked this, you should check this out. And the guy's name, a new guy, uh, Larry Fleet is his name. And he's come through twice now on my YouTube. One song, the one I'm going to show, is called That's Where I Find God. I really liked it. Then another one came out, and it was just kind of bland. Just kind of, meh. I'm not going give to give it any more listen. Um, I really liked this song a lot, but when I looked him up to try to get some info, Chattanooga-based guy, he's already got claws sunk into him by Joey Moy, who's the producer of Jake Owen and Florida Georgia Line. Boo. Exactly. And I was like, oh, no. But here, take a listen. This is uh, Where I Find God 2020 release from Larry Fleet. And uh, Larry Fleet is an interesting-looking character, too. Big old boy with a big beard and... Uh, okay. Uh, a different shaped hat and stuff. Here it is. Interesting. Nice slide guitar. The night I hit rock bottom, sitting on an old bar stool. He paid my tab and put me in a cab. 
didn't have to. So you can see I like that organ. Love the organ. Oh, I wish I'd got his name. I feel like Jamie Johnson could be singing this. I didn't feel worth yeah. Saving. Yeah. But he saved me just the same. The choir. And they The way he said that last line almost sound like Bucky Covington to me. Kind of raspy. Yeah. That sounds like an upright bass to me. I like it. Yeah. Good vocal, great instrumentation. Um, I've only heard this and then one others of his, and I don't even remember what it was. But when I listened to it, I was like, meh. But if that's the same guy that's produced Florida Georgia Line and Jake Owen, like, <laughs> I don't hear that at all, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so that I, I dig that. That was good. If you guys that's are good. interested in checking that out, look at Larry Fleet, F-L-E-E-T. And that's it. That's what we got for the what are you listening to right now. Shall we get into the SmackDown? Let's do it. SmackDown. We should. I should let you know, listeners, right off the bat. We're not going to have an interview on this one. It's just we're going to talk about Kenny Rogers and Joe Diffie. And we're just going to talk about it. So here's the format. I picked my two favorite songs that I thought would be great together, and Andrew picked his two favorite songs. One, yeah, my two, my favorite Kenny, my favorite Joe. One of each. Andrew picked his favorite Kenny, his favorite Joe. We're going to break down mine, and we're going to break down his, and uh, we'll see what we think of each other's picks and how they how they score. And then we'll get into what we're doing next, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Uh, let's it see. Uh, I'll go first. Um, uh, you know, before I get into the songs, you just got to, for those of you that may not know, Kenny Rogers is legendary, you know, I mean, 50 plus year career spanning so many decades legendary storyteller famous for his you know storytelling singer songwriter types got fantastic duets i was surprised that he only had 21 number ones that's that seems for for as long as he was he was a thing yeah that seems low yeah yeah and i don't know i consider him legendary status do you absolutely yeah yeah um I would consider his most famous song to be The Gambler. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. We concur I, I on that. It was, I, I kind of thought it was great that neither of us picked that. Right. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know The Gambler, it's know when to hold them, know when to fold them. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I know that song. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
series of movies based on the song. Yeah, totally. And then uh, Joe Diffie, you know, he kind of had a solid 90s career. And I don't really know if he even did much into the 2000s. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, he was, in my opinion, like a staple of the 90s that wasn't that Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney, or even Garth Brooks flavor. Yeah. You know? Uh, uh, Joe Diffie, Mark Chestnut, Aaron Tippin. Tracy Bird. Tracy Bird, yeah. Tracy Lawrence. Uh Uh-huh. John Michael Montgomery that weren't quite the same as Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney and Garth Brooks. and You know, I I said uh, at the top, you know, I kind of felt like like Joe Diffie was was unfairly underrated because he's got some like really heartfelt, poignant, powerful songs, but I think he's more known for kind of the goofball songs that he did. Right. Like Pickup Man and Bigger Than the Beatles and yeah. John Deere Green and Third yeah. Rock from the Sun. And, exactly. And I think a lot of, of the more uh substantive type stuff that he did kind of kind of got lost to that other stuff yep i i agree which is why i made the pick i did and we'll get into that in just a second so there's a little bit of background for you listeners on on just who we're breaking down these aren't just nobodies you know it wasn't some random you know just guy hanging on the corner of nashville kind of artist <laughs> that came and went like these these guys were substantial and losing them to the coronavirus is is you know it's sad man this is a big deal so let's honor them by breaking down some of our favorite songs. I'll kick it off. My, you know, interestingly enough, and I didn't know this until we started researching for this episode, my favorite Kenny Rogers song is a song called Lucille. Um, I couldn't tell you when I first heard it or why I love it so much. I just, I heard it a long time ago and there was something about the sound and the story. It was just like, man, I love this song. But what I didn't learn until doing this research was that it was his debut single. No, it was his second single, but his first number one. He had had one lesser or unknown single that came out first in mm-hmm. 1977, but this was his his second single of his debut album in 1977, and it was his first number one. So then I thought that was cool, you know, that that was the first, which influenced my decision for the Joe Diffie song that I'm going to do right after this. But yeah, Lucille, uh, released in 77, was written by Roger Bowling, who I didn't find too much about, the, but that he was a songwriter in the 70s. But then also written, uh, co-written with Hal Bynum, and I know you've got some notes on Hal Bynum. Did you notice that he wrote over two hundred songs for all the big name legends during the Outlaw era? No, I didn't. Yeah, he was a big deal. In fact, wait a minute. But Roger Roger <laughs> Bowling also wrote your song today. Right. Yeah, but not Hal Bynum. But I think actually I have I have more info on bowling. Okay, so. good. You found more than me. Well, we'll get to bowling in a second. But uh, Bynum was a legend. This was Kenny Rogers' second single, um, and I would describe it as being the beginning of a legendary career. Interestingly sure. enough, Waylon Jennings covered it, or or cut it as well that same year. Was it the same year? Yeah, in 1977. Wow. So they both put it out. And I mean, I'm a Waylon guy. Like he's my favorite of that era mm-hmm. of all of them. Yep. And his version I like better. Yep. But it was also covered in 2005 by Billy Currington. And that version is fantastic. Like Billy just stinking nails it. I, I, I like both of those better than the Kenny Rogers version. Yeah. Same here. Same here. But it doesn't take away from the song. Like it's a stinking good song. Uh, let's take a bit of a listen and then uh, we'll get into 
uh, our thoughts on said song. Here is Lucille, 1977, Kenny Rogers. I love the acoustic guitar. Simple bass and guitar. In a bar in Toledo, across from the depot, on a bar stool, she took off her ring. Kind of boring singing. He has kind of a talk sing thing going on. Almost sounds a little uninspired. think there'd be a chorus right here but nope just into the next verse Oh, yeah. And listen to this beautiful harmony. I just love it. I love that. I'm not, I'm not wild about that, like, plucky guitar sound, though. No. Yeah. It's in your song as well. Yeah. And I'm like, ugh. Well, there you go. Key change. Just you had to have the key change in there. Yep, yep. And into the next verses. There you go, folks. That is a bit of Lucille by Kenny Rogers. First number one, his second single ever, 1977. Um, I'm looking for my right notes here. <laughs> We're a very polished and professional operation. There we go. Let's break down our categories. For uh, for those of you that haven't listened, we have three categories, and each score, uh, e- each song gets a score out of ten, totaling thirty. Uh, lyrics and content, so what's the song, what the song is about, the vocal and instrumentation, also known as sound, and the cultural impact and significance. Let's talk about what our thoughts are on this song and see how closely we rated them. So the lyrics and content, this is a story song uh, telling the story. It's actually from the part of the other guy who meets this woman in a bar who's getting drunk, and um, she takes her ring off and whatnot, and he's talking to her and talking her up, and um, and then random dude that he doesn't know comes in who's a, a, a muscle-bound mountain of a man, and uh, he walks up to the lady and gives her a scolding for leaving him and their four hungry kids and the crop in the field. Yep. And uh, they go about their evening and they head back to the hotel. And in the heat of the moment, the other guy says, well, he remembers the words of the scolding and is like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And we don't get an ending after that. It just (laughs) ends there, you know, with him thinking about that. Right. So we don't know. In my opinion, I think it's fantastic songwriting. I think it's a great story song. 
it would it would be it, just based on the songs I like. It would be a perfect ten if there was a little half ending verse at the end that talked about them going back and her coming to her senses and them reconciling and you know him forgiving yeah. her and stuff. It would that would make it a perfect ten. But I love the story. It's so good. I'm going nine out of ten on lyrics and content. Wow. I love it. Just just shot out the gate it's there. It's so huh? good. Wow. Now keep in mind it's my favorite Kenny Ch- I almost said Kenny Chesney. Kenny Chesney. Fa- favorite Kenny Rogers song. Man, um you, you know, I I am a sucker for a good story song. Uh, I love right. I love story songs. This one feels kind of gross, honestly. <laughs> like in what way? Like the the from the you know the the first person pers- perspective of the singer of the song yeah right the other guy and he's like you know i watched her take her ring off at the bar and then i slid in there you know yeah okay i'm kind of taking advantage advantage of like a vulnerable emotionally unstable <laughs> woman having drinks like i mean and then even after the mountain of a man comes in right. and, and talks, he yeah. still takes her back to the like, hotel. Her her husband comes in and is like, you know, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. We've got four, which honestly, like the first time I, I listened to it offhand, I, I misheard it and thought it was 400 children. And I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> They're but, running an orphanage but, or something. Uh, four hungry children and a crop in the field, you know, and it's just like. Man, so you're going to try to slide in there on some chick that just, like, you watched her take off her ring. Okay, yeah, liquored her up. And and then the husband shows up, and so now you know all their business, you know what's going on, and you still end up going and renting a motel room, taking her back there, and then finally at the last minute you're like, oh, shucks, I guess I shouldn't. (laughs) He was a big dude. You know? Yeah. So, okay. So, like, I mean, it's a great story song and everything, but but like I said, it's kind of gross. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. This is why I have you on the show, you see? Because you always bring the good, the good, you know, thoughtful, um, yeah. You know, somebody's got to be the moral compass there of you the go. show, I There guess. you go. So I went nine out of ten. What did you go? Uh, I, I gave it a six. Okay. I mean, it's, it's still a solid you know, story song and, and all that, but it just, it just feels a little icky. Okay. Now I'm never going to hear it the same way again. <laughs> huh. All right. Speaking of not hearing it the same way, I would encourage listeners to check out the, uh, uh, Waylon Jennings version and especially the Billy Currington version. Yeah. I, they're I, really good. I think like, like honestly, musically the, the Waylon Jennings is my favorite. Okay. Um, and like really, it reminds me of um, Folsom Prison Blues. Okay. It's got that plotting. Yep. Like, doom, 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 That's Wayland's that, special. That just like, like I hear that sound and I think of a train. Yep. For whatever reason. Yep. No, but that's I, good. But I think vocally I prefer the Billy Carrington. Sure. It fits, it fits his vocal yeah. so well. The sound of this one. I'm, I can't judge the Wayland or the Billy Carrington version or any of the others. Um, where I'm just going off this one, right. this alone. Right. And I, you know, I love it's the traditional arrangement of the song with the key changes and the verses into the chorus and all that. It's a traditional sound, but it's a little too simple for me. Like it's just, you know, uh, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, piano, bass, very soft drums. And you nailed it with that 
plinky electric that just <laughs> and it's just like ugh, it's kind of annoying mm-hmm. um it doesn't have any standout instrumentation or really any standout vocal it kind of just there's no highs there's no lows yeah. it's just kind of ho-hum so um if it wasn't for the beautiful harmonies in the chorus i would give it lower but i'm going seven out of ten on sound okay i i gave it lower okay um just just because it's it's so like middling and and boring like there's no there's nothing man it just <laughs> it's just there uh so i gave it a four okay there you go you know and as I'm i was unmoved. describing <laughs> as i was describing my score i was like i probably should have gone even lower before you even started to talk uh, it's cultural impact and significance. I feel like this is a long lasting song. You know, I feel like if you're listening oh, to the sure. right stuff, you might still hear it on something sometime. I think it's a really well-known song. You know, um, maybe if people don't know it by title, they would hear it and hear that chorus start and be like, oh yeah, I remember yep, that song. Yep. You know, so it is well-known. Um, I couldn't, I had a hard time finding sales numbers, but it 22 million views on YouTube, which isn't a ton, but you know, of the like official video. It's been covered multiple times. <laughs> I love that with him just like by the fireplace. Just, yep. With his leg up on the hearth or whatever. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, it launched his legendary career. It was kind of what got him really going because I don't even remember the name of that first single that he put out. I saw it, but I don't even remember. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's a significant song. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Nice. That, I also gave it an 8. Okay. So that brings my total to 24. 18 on this side. Okay. So not one of your, not one of our lower scoring songs, no. but also not one of our higher. Just kind of down the middle. Could definitely beat out a number of the songs that we've uh, scored on the show before. Definitely, and we could put the Billy Currington version from '05 up against. I mean, though it didn't go number one, it wasn't even a single, but it could beat most of the songs. Oh, many of yeah. the songs we've covered. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, there we go. So I had eight. I had twenty-four. You had eighteen. So you don't love it as much as I do. I think I'm going to love yours as much as you do, though. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You think? I do. My other song, moving over to uh, to the year 2000. Year 2000. <laughs> uh, Joe Diffie. The song was called... I said 2000. Dude, it was 1990. Hey, I was you, off by 10 years. You only missed by 10 years. Only 10. Uh, debut single for Joe Diffie. Now, the thing is, my... F- this is oh, I just I love this song, but I was gonna go with bigger than the Beatles, because I really like that song. But as I was looking, I was like, w- I saw that Home was his debut song, and I thought, I think I'm gonna, that's gonna go really well. So, I'm my theme that I'm going with is their two debut singles, and I stink and love Home. It's a great song, written by Fred Lehner and Andy Spooner. There was nothing on either of those guys. And um, this isn't the type of song that has the staying power that Lucille has. Right. I don't. You know, right. you have to you have to go looking for this one. It might come up on the '80s and '90s Country Channel, but you know, I listen to that one quite a bit, and I can't remember hearing it. I'm a big fan of you know. I I prior to switching over to Google Play Music, I still own CDs, and I still have all of them. But I would listen to my Joe Diffie Greatest Hits CD somewhat regularly. You know, I mean, I I would come back to it. And so I, I know the song and it was like, man, I love the song. Yeah. So here we go. 1990 debut single for Joe Diffie. It's called Home.
He's a great singer. Beautiful man voice. Keep on fading before I find my pot of gold. And more and more I'm thinking that the only treasures that I'll ever know. Nice long notes. Goes to that double time, the rim shot on the snare drum, and that that very '90s guitar tone. Yep. Like this song sounds like 1990 country. Yep. The key change because <laughs> it was only 1990 there you go home 1990 it has it, it has a real uh turn of the decade feel there yeah like you've yeah. got some of that traditional key change into that element and but then it also has yeah that guitar tone um lyrics and content um i love it it's a nostalgia song a little bit of a list song um, about an older guy who's reflecting on where his life has been and how his parents instilled in him a set of values, but that he went, as he says there, uh, a thousand different directions, you know, down different roads. And then he gets older and he realized that the lifestyle that his parents wanted for him, that they were trying to instill in him was different than what he had pursued. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's a story that many of us can relate to you know your parents try to instill values in you but you go a different direction and then later on when you grow up a little bit you realize huh maybe they were on to something after all (laughs) you know and um, imagine and then you know you get the list part in the chorus of what his home that he describes was like and even for those of us like me who grew up kind of in the ghetto in the hood and not in this this uh environment that he describes it's it's still something you can be nostalgic for like man that sounds awesome. That that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. you grew up in a teeny community, so maybe you can relate maybe a little oh, yeah, bit more. Yeah, 100%. yeah, yeah. But I mean, not me. But it's still like that sounds incredible, which is why I try to get my kids out as much as possible, you know, out of town and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, I I like it. Um, it just makes you feel like ah. Oh, just home is good. Yeah. You yeah. It, it reminds like there's there's a whole like almost like a subcategory of of country music in a way that like this song reminds me of like if the world had a front porch. Yep. Uh, and the dirt road by Sawyer Brown. Yep. Just kind of these like really like nostalgic um, homey kind of like. They're just nice, yep. you know? Um, yep. Gosh. Um, there was one Bucky Covington did. Um, if if heaven, heaven. Yeah. Um, something, he, heaven's like. I home. hope heaven's a lot like my hometown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
two Bucky yeah. Covington references in one wow, episode. Man. Well, he had one album I loved and one that was also pretty darn good. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So I like it. Uh, if it had a the song, it only has two verses kind of thing with the chorus, and he doesn't ever the 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 main character doesn't ever resolve his conflict if he went a million different directions and is nostalgic from home. It would be a perfect song if it talked about him had a, if it had a half verse at the end that talked about how thankful he was to finally make it back yeah. home. I think I think it, at like at the point of of his own like timeline, you know, he's like just kind of daydreaming. Yeah. At at this point when he's when he comes upon this this song and the inspiration for it in his life, you know. So yep. he's he's just not there yet. Yep. So I I love it. I mean, obviously I picked songs I love because that's what I wanted to do to honor these guys, which is why I scored Lucille really highly. It's why I score this one really highly. Um, but uh, I go nine out of ten. I like it. Nice. The descriptions in the yeah. chorus, like I relate to the verses where he's talking about losing his way and you know resisting and pushing against the influences that he had that tried to be instilled in him as a young person, and uh, we all relate to that. And then I just love the visualization in the chorus, you know, of all the things of Holmes. Like, man, that sounds great. So I'm nine out of ten. Man, you're just going high scores today. I love the songs. <laughs> I wasn't. I'm not forced I, to listen to some garbage crap that I hate. <laughs> I'm not forced anyway. I, no uh, one's making us do this. But. Yeah, I, I gave it a seven. Okay. You know, still a strong showing. I just, you know. Okay, then I have a theory. I bet. I bet you scored your songs more highly than my songs. I don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> that must be it. Because these are because you have your own. I don't know yet. It's Seven. not personal. All right. It's not per- I'm not trying to No, I know. to skew the results or anything. I just to make you know, yours better. It just uh, you know, it I think part of it was just it's it's kind of simple. But, yep. You know. Yep, it is. Hmm. Um have we done, you know, I was thinking of other songs. Have we done any songs like this? I mean, Chicken Fried is a little bit like it, though it's not about losing your way and finding your way back, but it does talk about home. Yeah. Um, have we done any others that are like that oh man um i don't know either the good stuff a little bit yeah have we we haven't covered that though we we either did it or it was an honorable mention it's it could have been yeah probably an honorable mention. or we just talked about it at random because that's what we do it'll be on that super long playlist that sometime will get made yeah yeah (laughs) all right uh sound it is the traditional 1990 sound. Like it has the key change of the old stuff, but then it has that. I don't even know how you describe that guitar tone, syrupy or something. I don't know. It's. I don't love it as the thing. I think there was an active rebellion during this time period against the fiddle and steel. Like whereas Joe Diffie was trying to maintain traditional elements of song structure and being a country song, but it's like. When I heard the song, and I love it, but I'm like, where is the fiddle and the steel? Like, it is distinctly missing. And they try to fill it in with the slide guitar and that electric guitar, but it just doesn't do it. Mm -hmm. Like, in all the transitions where in a normal country song, there would be a riff from a fiddle or a riff from the steel, they're just not there. And it's like, you know, something is noticeably missing. And I think I think it was intentional. I think they were trying to turn a corner and be like, okay, yep, we're done with that whole fiddle and steel business yeah. and trying to put out stuff that sounded like, I don't know, pop music or something. I don't know. But 
I would have given it a much higher score, except that it noticeably is missing the fiddle and steel. I love the sound otherwise, but I'm only going seven out of ten because of that. Okay. Uh, we're close. I'm I'm going eight for okay. sound. Um, just you know, because like it is kind of that that um, you know, the sound of its time, um, which which probably gets it to like a six, but then just like the the pureness and and you know quality of of the vocals yeah and and just some of the like the sustained notes and and stuff like that like and he has high highs and low lows in the song yeah, yeah. and there's just there's some there's a there's a texture to to Joe's vocals on a song like this that you don't get on a lot of his other songs that really like I think really kind of gets those extra points where you might you might take points away for for lacking a fiddle and a steel and stuff like but but you it's it's almost like there are parts in the song where his voice is one of the instruments. Yeah. Um so so I give it a couple bonus points. And, there you go. And, and it's an 8 for me. You're smarter than me. That's good. <laughs> Every time I hear you I'm like, yeah, he's right after all. Yeah, good thoughts. Good thoughts. His it's, it's the vocal. Just, it's just words, man. I pull them out of a hat. There you go. Whatever <laughs> randomly appears. Um, the cultural impact, I really couldn't find much at all. You know, um, they didn't even make a music video for it. Just wanted the song to speak for itself. Yeah, well, I mean, music videos were kind of hit and miss at that time. But it was a know. part of what you did, you know. But yeah. it did, it launched, so the song launched his solid, not legendary, but solid career. Um, and I'll give him credit for that. So just based off that, that it launched a solid career, I'm going five. All right. Which is really arbitrary. Like, yeah, I just kind of picked yeah. the number. You know, I, I give it a six. Um, you just kind of. But you probably have a good reason. <laughs> It's it's kind of arbitrary, but but I'm thinking you know, these are both like debut singles for for these guys and yeah, that was my theme. Mm-hmm. I gave Kenny Rogers an eight. Joe Diffie's career wasn't quite the level of Kenny Rogers, commercially speaking. Yeah. So while it was significant for his career and launched him on a you know a path to semi stardom and a couple you know spikes along the way. Um, you know, I do think it was significant in that way, but not quite as significant as Kenny Rogers. So six. There you go. So that puts my total. I had given Lucille 24 and that brings me to, uh, home gives me 21. So in my SmackDown, I'm Kenny Rogers, 24, Joe Diffie, 21. Where are you in my SmackDown? Uh, 18 for Kenny, 21 for Joe. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So we, we tied on our Joe thought. We I did. just I just rated Lucille more highly. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's just because the whatever emotional or memory connection I have with Lucille that I can't even identify. Maybe that's I don't know. Maybe that's why I yeah. scored it highly. Interesting. All right. Well you, my friend, picked a couple of songs also. I did. What what do you have? All right. Well, keeping with the uh, story song theme. Well, that is kind of Kenny uh, Rogers' Kenny mojo. Rod- yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think Kenny Rogers, uh, by and large, uh, most of his songs, at least his well-known songs, fall into three categories. Okay. Uh, one is story songs. 
Two is duets. Duets. I was hoping you'd say that. And three is uh, songs about loose women. Okay. There you go. There's several, several references to uh, women of the night. (laughs) Floozies. In his his career catalog. So, yeah, I I actually thought it was a little odd that there were so many of those. Um, (laughs) I I missed that part, too. (laughs) Yeah. So, So, what song uh, did you pick and why? I chose Coward of the County. I stinking love it. Which, yeah, man. I mean, as far as story songs go, like, I mean, it even has like a little bit of a plot twist, and a, there's there's a climax. It and, resolves, and, and it, yes. So yeah, it's it's you know still still kind of a little bit of the talk singy thing, mm-hmm. but which is what you again, expect from um, Kenny Rogers, one of uh, a shared songwriter between Lucille and Coward of the County. Yeah, bowling. Uh, Indeed. Uh, so this was released in November of 79. It was the second single from his 20 million selling album, Kenny. Kenny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a three-week number one from January 5th to January 19th. Uh, he replaced Conway Twitty, Happy Birthday, Darlin'. Uh-huh. And was replaced by T.G. Shepard's I'll Be Coming Back for More. Okay. I just realized I forgot to do the what it replaced <laughs> and what it was replaced by on mine. You know, when you get back that far, it, it can be a little difficult to find that information sometimes. Okay. Um, let's see. It was a crossover hit. Yeah, I saw that. It uh, peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and ended the year uh, number 34 on their top songs of the year. So pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, solid run there. This um, was a big song. Let's see. I don't remember your birthday. Were you alive? Are you 79 or are you 80? <laughs> uh, I was born in 80. Okay. So, so yeah, was, we were not alive. This this predates me by a few months. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It was written by Roger Bowling and Billy Ed Wheeler. Um, so we were talking about Bowling before. You didn't have a lot of info no. on him. No. Uh, What'd you find? He wrote another number one song. For Billy Joe Spears, called I've, Blanket on the Ground. I've heard the name of, of Spears, but I don't recognize. He had two number fives, one for Freddie Hart and one for George Jones and Tammy Wynette. I've never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the first guy you said I haven't heard of. Uh, he charted seven times as an artist himself. Oh. Um, Did you listen to any of it? No, I didn't. Okay. The, the highest, highest he charted was with a song called Yellow Pages, which peaked at number 30. Okay. So not a, so not not, a great solo not career. Not a huge career. Well, um, he nailed it on this one. And sadly, he committed suicide at the age of 38 after being diagnosed with terminal cancer. So, All right. You know, he was... He Man, was, some good songs could have come out of he that. He was our age. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Huh. Uh, so the co-writer, Billy Ed Wheeler, was not... Didn't chart as well, but probably a more prolific songwriter. Okay. Uh, still kind of active today, even. Um, and it's not a name I recognize. Yeah. He, uh, well, and the, you know, didn't have a lot of chart success. He just put out a lot of songs for people. Um, to date, he's had songs recorded by over 160 artists. Wow. That from, is prolific. From Johnny, he did... Uh, Jacksonville, Johnny, uh-huh. Ca- Johnny Cash and June yep. Carter. Yep. Uh, to 
the Kingston Trio, Jefferson Airplane. Okay. Wow. Okay. So he's spanning genres and stuff. Neil Young, mm-hmm. and even as recent as Florence and the Machine. Have okay. Recorded one of his songs. Wow. Um, in addition, he is the author and composer of several plays and musicals, including the folk opera Song of the Cumberland Gap, which huh. has been commissioned by the National Geographic Society. Well, I'll be darned. So that's extensive. Yeah. He's legit. He's he's had a run. The 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 writers of this song are legit. No wonder it's such an yeah. amazing song. Um, so I guess a couple little little fun facts before we get into the scoring. Okay. Uh, in 1981, there was a TV movie produced. Yes. Based on the Coward of the County song. Right. Which you can view on YouTube if you have an hour and a half to kill. And did want- you? Uh, no. I, okay. I skipped through and and probably caught about. 45 seconds of the hour and a half. Okay. Um, <laughs> and that was but, enough to know? But it, 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 I might go back to it. Just when was that put out? 1981. Oh, 81. Okay. So like a full two years after the song. But I'm but not new enough that I was visualizing something right. like um, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger or something. Yeah, yeah. Not um, that new. More like Dukes of Hazard era or something like yeah. that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and Kenny, Kenny plays the uncle in the song who... Who the song? Whereas Lucille is sung from first person perspective, Coward of the County is third person. Yeah. sung by the uncle of the protagonist of the song. So yeah. in the movie, Kenny Rogers plays the, the uncle. uncle. Okay, uh, and uh, another little little tidbit: uh, the the uh, mention of the Gatlin boys in I, the song. I, I did see a lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, there's it's disputed information. Yeah, well. It, I think it is and it isn't. Um, Kenny Rogers said that he was unaware of of a connection, and had he known, he would have wanted to change the name. Right. Um, but the fact that it it's the Gatlin boys, and there were th- and it like specifies in the song there were three, three of, them. of them. Yep. Uh, but Larry Gatlin said uh, in an interview that um, which of the bowling Roger Bowling had had a, beef had a beef yeah and deliberately wrote the song with the Gatlin brothers as the antagonist villains. Right. Um, and there was, there was apparently an incident where one of them won an award and the other one went to congratulate him. And, and he told and him what it was like, F you, F you man. Yeah. And it was like, what? He's like, F you. Yeah. And so then the Gatlin boys became the villains of this song. That's, Sounds like Which is uh, hilarious. it's like East Coast West Coast. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It sounds like some, some rap, rap stories. So yeah, that's that's a fun controversy little, and conspiracies abound. Little uh, little fun anecdote for the song there. Yeah, and I I hadn't realized prior to researching for this song, I, it never even crossed my mind that there might be a connection and why there's a, like a reason for them to be named the Gatlins. Like they could have picked any name. Could have yep. been the Anderson Brothers or yep. who knows what. All right, let's let's check out. I will show you a, a few minutes of, uh, or just a little bit of time, listeners of the song, but it it sonically doesn't sound all that different from Lucille. Right. Yeah. Here it is. This is uh, 79, Coward of the County, Kenny Rogers. Pretty simple. stood one single time to prove the county wrong 
It's pleasant. It's nice. His mm -hmm. mama named him Tommy. But folks just called him yellow. That would hurt my feelings. Yeah. What was that little sound that just happened? The it's like a woodblock yeah. type thing. <laughs> I looked after Tommy. He was my brother's son. There you go. You get a little info. Yep. He's the uncle. Because he's off to prison. Yep. We don't know why. It's nice. Those are digital drums. We need instruments there. <laughs> Something needs to happen. There's that little plucky guitar again. Yep. <laughs> Key change. Gotta have it. We meet Becky. I was gonna, I was gonna pull it. But we. I mean, we can, we can summarize the. Yeah. The rest of the song. Oh, there's the Gatlin boys. Yep. All so, right. So uh, basically. So lyrics and content. Yeah. Um, Tommy's in love with Becky. Yep. Tommy's off at work and the Gatlin boys come and essentially gang rape Becky. Yeah. While Tommy's away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Tommy had promised his dad before he died in prison that, you know, essentially to live the life of a pacifist. And avoid confrontation. Yep. And don't fight if you don't have to fight. And uh, this this particular which is pretty good advice. Yeah. 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 Um, However, you know this this heinous act uh, causes Tommy to feel like it's time to fight. And, yep. And it's a little ambiguous later in that, like, you know, he goes to the bar where the Gatlin boys are known to to hang around. And uh, when he walks in, they all laugh at him because of what they've done. I and, love this part. And uh, I love it. One of them meets him halfway across the room. Tommy turns around, heads for the door. They all laugh at him. And then, the, oh yeah, the 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 big line is is you could hear a pin drop. Yes. When Tommy stopped and locked the door. Yeah. You know the I think the plucky sound that you were hearing during the song were fresh chest hairs coming out of my chest <laughs> from that part of the song, just going pluck pluck pluck. So so being that that it is I kind love of that kind of ambiguous from that point on, like, does Tommy does he just stomp mud holes in them or does he kill them? Uh, I, I, I interpret it as he just stomped mud holes in him. Okay. Cause I've always felt like, like he, you know, if it was me, it's probably a death situation. That's the thing in the second verse. It, it says he went down to the fireplace and takes down his daddy's picture. Yeah. When I was researching the song and I was listening really closely and I was looking at the lyrics, I realized that I've heard the song a lot of times, and I've I could sing the chorus, but I had never actually paid attention to what the verses were, so I didn't even realize the impact of the song. But as I was then listening back, I was like, I wonder why the songwriters wrote it that he went and took down the picture as opposed to like took down the rifle, yeah, or took down yeah. the old muzzle loader uh -huh. or something else. Why did he put down picture? Well, I know because he's going to tell his dad. Pistol, yeah, pistol fits. Pistol fits really yeah. well. 
I wonder if that was intentional. Like, was it supposed to be pistol and then they changed it? I know, I know that in the movie, it's it's just a fight and yeah. he beats them all up and you know. But so because it said picture and not anything having to do with a weapon, that led me to conclude that he just beat him up. Yeah. That's why I think that. But how easy would it have been to write pistol? Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, if that had happened to to my woman, uh-huh. you know, right, it, it wouldn't be just a fight. Right. You know, but I mean, yeah, I guess these were different times and people treated people differently than, you know. Exactly. It was probably a more common occurrence back then. But like I said, in researching, I had not even paid attention what those verses ever were. <laughs> so when I was listening closely and I heard that third verse and it was just like, yeah, you know, it just felt so like you show him. Tommy, uh-huh. no one's going to call you Yella ever again. And then he and then he, uh, you know, talks to Dad and then it from, resolves from from beyond and tells him, you know, sometimes you got to fight. I hope you understand that that I couldn't I couldn't let this one go. Yeah. And I had to fight. Yep. As m- your song, what do you what do you score <laughs> lyrics and content? Uh lyrics and content. Uh I got to I got to give this one an 8. Are you serious? Yeah. On what grounds? On what grounds? Uh, well, because in a lot of ways, it's it's very similar to Lucia, but um, you know, I feel like like on the moral spectrum, this is at the opposite end of Lucille. Okay. You know, there's 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 virtue being defended in this song, you know, whereas the other one is kind of gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've ruined that for me forever. So, you know, I, I feel like the, you know, that we have we have a hero in this song. Yep. Versus Lucille where everybody's kind of, you know, except for the husband who's going to I go guess who is more of, in the field. more of like a sympathetic type sure. patsy character in the song. You know, everybody's wrong in that one yep. whereas this one we've got a hero. Yeah. So, you know, while it's very similar Similar style of songwriting, similar structure. I just feel like the fact that we've got a hero and a resolution, it gets a couple more points. Okay. Eight. I'm ten. You're a ten. I wow. just I stink and love it. It's great. Like you, I'm a sucker for a story song, but I'm also a sucker for a hero song. Yeah. And the song is graphic. Like, it doesn't... The song digs into the content. Like, it doesn't uh-huh. shy away from describing what it's describing and i appreciate that about it you know and it told a great story and it's the type of story that hooks you start to finish like from the first word to the last word you're you're hooked on the story of the song so and and honestly i i feel like that that particular like vengeful fleshy nature of of a human you know like like if it was clear like if if the if the resolution of the bar scene in the song was more clear and we knew like what happened there, like if I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that Tommy straight up went in there and and exacted revenge and killed them suckers, like I'd probably give it a 10. Except that he they wouldn't be calling him Yella ever again because he'd be in prison <laughs> as opposed to just having respect of the people that he just beat the snot out of them yeah, and is still I mean, around town to, you know, show it off. Yeah, I guess. It's a 10 for me. I love it. How about the sound? Sound? Uh, I got to go four again. Yeah. Because it's, sonically, it's basically the same song. 
Yep. You know, all the elements are the same. Plus the annoying wood block. <laughs> okay. Fine. I don't get that. <laughs> I I think I played one of those in like a third third grade Christmas concert or something. <laughs> like the other kids played the auto harp and. Yep. Yep. Um, so be, being that it basically sounds the same, I got to score the same. Yeah. The electric drums don't sound great. You know, yeah. you get the acoustic guitar, that annoying plucky electric guitar. What was going on instrumentally in the late 70s? <laughs> I don't understand. Like what 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 was sonically the the current culture and trends cuz this is not great. But these were huge huge songs. Yeah. Yeah, I got to wonder if like this was this was kind of the the inception of like the electric drums and stuff like that. So that became so, so big it, in the 80s. It and... was like hip and cool to use it, but it didn't really sound the way it should yet. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't know. This is another one where I gave it the same exact scoring as the other one because I thought the same. It's the same song. So I gave it a seven as well. And in hindsight, I'm like, just like I was on that one, like, mm, I scored it too high. Mm-hmm. But I'll stick to my seven only because I like the key changes and, you know, the, the structure of the song. Uh-huh. I like that part. It follows that traditional sound feel. Oh, yeah. Key changes were <laughs> huge back then where it just continues to escalate, you know. <laughs> The Cultural Impact. Cultural you already referenced impact. the made-for-TV movie, Which, the six-week number one and the major crossover. Yeah, I don't know if, if a made-for-TV movie really gives it a lot of cultural impact. <laughs> Based on the 45 seconds of it that I watched. Um, but, um, you know, that being said, it it was huge as a single. You know, it was, like I said, the the f- second single off of an album that sold 20 million copies. Yep. Um, so that's that's kind of a big deal, I guess. Um, so I guess we go nine. Okay. There you go. Because, I mean, if I had to name five Kenny Rogers songs and pull them out of a hat, this is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 20. That's better than Islands in the Stream. <laughs> Is it, though? Well, so my question, I, I asked it earlier, and I don't, I don't remember if you answered it, but how come you picked this one? Uh, it's just, it, like, my favorite, like, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a huge Kenny Rogers fan by same, any means. Same, same. Um, and, f- like, my wife loved Kenny Rogers roasters when it was around more than I love Kenny Rogers music. Fair um, enough. Every time he comes up in conversation, she has to comment on their cornbread. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but you know, as, as, uh, Kenny Rogers songs go that like, I think just, just the, the storytelling element of it makes this my favorite Kenny Rogers song. It's probably, probably this and, and the greatest, Mm -hmm. you know, um, also great again, story song tells a good tale. Uh, but also, you know, I mean, I love baseball. Yep. Yep. But, uh, and I didn't pick the gambler and you didn't pick the gambler. Yeah. Is that just too cliche? Everyone assumes we would talk about the game. I think so. But also, like, you know, it's a good tune. But I just, from the the storytelling aspect of it, I don't like that as well as I like Coward of the County. Sure. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Cultural Impact. Also thought it was huge. Did you go 9? I went 9. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, What's your total? Uh, Since it's your song. 21. This is only 21. Man, I went 25. Wow. 
Yeah, I liked your pick way better than my pick. <laughs> Actually, no, I picked mine was 24, so yours is only one point better than mine. So I would get 25. So yours, yeah, you went one point higher, and I went three points higher. So pretty on close. The, on the same wavelength, yeah. Pretty close. Fast forwarding back to the early 90s. I said fast forward back. Fast forward ahead <laughs> to the early Time is a flat circle, man. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Forward, backwards, whatever. What Joe Diffie song stood out to you, and how how and why did you pick it? Joe Diffie, man. You know, I I talked a little bit earlier about like how he had some really fantastic, like sentimental, emotional, you know, emotion conjuring type songs that that I feel like when you look at his career as a whole, they kind of get lost. Yeah. Between like your song "Home" uh, and and the one that I picked, a couple others, but mostly he's known for kind of goofy, yep, you know, pickup man and stuff like that. Um, and you know because because we're doing you know kind of an in memoriam type of thing, I didn't want to go goofy. Fair you enough. You know, I wanted to show respect, and you know, like I don't know how many people I saw post propped me up beside the jukebox yep after he died and i was like because it's so clever you know it's kind of funny but also it's kind of distasteful yeah um you know so so like i was trying to be more like you know a song that really speaks to me that i think kind of showcases some of his talent and you know that i know is has been while it wasn't huge commercially when it came out it has stood the test of time, and people yep. know it today. Yeah, because um, it's extremely relatable. Yeah, and um, I think actually it might have been Jennifer who has uh, chimed in a few times on social media and stuff. Uh, shared a video way back of um, Joe Diffie and Brad Paisley performing this song together. In Ooh, concert, I don't remember that, but I need to go yeah. back and and was, rewatch that. It's pretty good. Uh, so anyway, that's a long way of saying my pick for Joe Diffie was "Ships That Don't Come In." There we go. Which uh, was the second single from his 1992 gold certified album "Regular Joe." Mm-hmm. So nowhere near the commercial success there as "Coward of the County." Compared, no. to just just comparing, you know, the status of Kenny Rogers to Joe Diffie. You know, kind of. But man, Joe had a lot of hits in a short period of time. Yeah. The early 90s to mid 90s, just one after another of recognizable songs. Uh, so debuted at number 68 on the Hot Country chart and never quite made it to the top. Okay. It, it, it charted for 20 weeks, but peaked at number five. So mm. it kind of fizzled out. Uh, ended the year ranked number 46 on the Billboard US Country Songs chart. So. You know, for a top five to still make it into the the top 50 for the year, pretty good. Yep. Uh, Was written by Paul Nelson and Dave Gibson. Okay. Uh, Nelson had uh, a few other number ones, uh, or a few number ones, whereas this wasn't one. Uh, He hit number one twice with 18 Wheels and a Dozen Roses. Love that. And Burning Old Memories, both by Kathy Matea. Okay, I don't remember the other one. Nope. Uh, also hit number one twice with Tracy Lawrence with My Second Home and uh-huh. If the Good Die Young. Okay. Uh, I so, like If the Good Die Young. That's oh, a, yeah. It's a jam. Uh, and, like, totally, like, I would kind of 
categorize Joe Diffie and Tracy Lawrence as this yeah. very similar yep. vocally even. Yep. Um, so being that this guy wrote hit songs for both of these artists is not not a surprise. Nope. Uh, a few of his other notable songs, uh, also Tracy Lawrence, I See It Now. Oh, I love that. Renegades, Rebels, and Rogues. Uh-huh. As any fool can see. Love it. If the world had a front porch. Oh, my gosh. This guy is like one of my favorite writers. <laughs> I love uh, all of those. A- another of my personal favorites from the era, he wrote On a Good Night by Wade Hayes. Yep. Uh, so so pretty solid songwriter there. Uh, the other writer, Dave Gibson, hit number one with uh, Tanya Tucker, If It Don't Come Easy, and Alabama Jukebox In My Mind. That's my favorite Alabama song. Wow. So you Just love hands these guys. Down. You love these guys. Hands down. I love Jukebox In My Mind. Uh, I Really only a couple other notables for him. Uh, Daddy Never Was the Cadillac Kind, Confederate Railroad. Okay. I remember it. And uh, Lonely and Gone by Montgomery Gentry. Hmm. I'm an MG fan, but I, I can't remember that. <laughs> okay. Good tune. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's about all there is to say with, you know, kind of the history of this song, the songwriters. Well, let's, so let's take uh, a spin. Let's give it a listen. This is Ships That Don't Come In, 1992. I like how it starts right away. Right away after this. <laughs> I could tell he'd had a tough life. Oh. Sorry. A little echo. And me, I'd come to push and shove. So I pulled up the chair. We talked of roads untraveled. We talked of love untrue. Of strings that come unraveled We were kings and kindred fools Sounds great. Just when I'd hit bottom That old man raised his glass Said at least we've had our I love the build. There's like a crescendo at the end of the, the verse. Yep, I love it. So here's to all the soldiers Who have ever died <laughs> I'm gesturing really big with my arms, like, yes! This song, it kind of just like, I kind of drift off when I listen to this song. Yeah. Like, it almost puts me in a trance, and I'm just like, you know, I get I get wrapped up in it a little bit. Yep. I love it. It is That's so good. I was, I, like, I thought it was interesting that, that you know, kind of the, the socio-political place where we are in history right now, uh-huh. um, that he talks about social issues a little bit in this song and it was not a thing that really was cool to do right in country music at the time yeah you yeah know, until you know when garth came on you know a couple years later with with shameless like, or, or standing outside the fire standing outside yeah, the fire was, yeah. and 
we shall be free. We shall be free. Yep. And and stuff like that. So like the fact that he's talking about, you know, in a roundabout way, kind of, uh, you know, mental illness and homelessness and stuff like that in the song was kind of, kind of outside the box for for the time period. Yeah, and really appropriate for now. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Huh. You know, this one and Home for me both were ones that. I bought the greatest hits CD based off of Bigger Than the Beatles and Pickup Man and Third Rock and whatnot. And then I heard these, but like 10 years after they came out uh-huh. or more. And then I was like, wow, these are great songs. And the older I get, the better they get. Like the older I get, the more I like Home and the uh-huh. more I like this one. They're more relatable. The older I get, yep. the more relatable they are. So even just preparing for this episode like made me even appreciate them even more. than I are. And I already liked them because of the way they sound. But now it's like, gosh, man, it's just really relatable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, story song. It's a guy talking to another guy at the bar. Mm-hmm. Good things happen when you do that. Yeah. And I, it's, I, I feel like, um, you know, I mentioned with with um, one of the other songs, how there's like a subcategory in country music. I feel like this is another one where it's like guys philosophizing on bar stools, yep. you know, kind of. You know, it's a little bit more sappy and sentimental, but kind of, you know, people are crazy. Yep. And I, um, I thought of that. No Love Songs, mm-hmm. Chris Cagle. Yep. And I think that's I, a great song, too. There was one other I was thinking of, I think. Vaquero. Uh, Vaquero. Vaquero, yeah. From Aaron, Aaron Watson. Watson. Yeah. Just kind of like I happened upon this guy at the bar and he loaded me up on wisdom and I bought him a drink and, you know. And then he gave me a million dollars. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it? That maybe that's a ship that won't come in. I don't know. Anyway, um, it's a song. It's kind of depressing as it describes these different people, these different like sad things that happen to people. But it also leaves you hopeless because that second verse where he talks about we're all still gamblers and still in the game. Hopeful. Yeah. Did <laughs> I say hopeless? Yeah. I meant hopeful. I meant ho- hopeful is what I meant I, to I say. Was thinking, like. I guess we're interpreting this. No, the, 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 it sounds hopeless, but it leaves you hopeful because he's yeah. like, you know, but, you know, we're still gamblers in the game mm-hmm. and uh, our, our great break might come, you know, right after this. We might get more than dozens of listeners. That ship might come in. It might come. Yeah. Uh, what'd you give it? Uh, let's see. Lyrics and content. I went eight. Okay. You know, I like it. It's. It's kind of, uh, you know, introspective, talks a little bit about social issues and just, you know, it's kind of a, it's like a a song for mankind. You know, it's, it's talking about life. Yep. And I feel like sometimes we need that. That's why I went nine because I just really like it. It's very close to being the river and the dance. You know, for some reason, when I think Mm. of songs that are perfect tens, those are a couple that come to mind every time. Like those are the canon upon which I judge other songs <laughs> in terms of their lyrical quality, you know. Uh, and this is not close. Not straight songs. Oh well, you know, forever and ever, or not for um, um, uh, yeah, forever and ever, amen. That's up there. I could think of others, but um, yeah, I could. Well, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go on that tangent because I could. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, this is right up there. Like I just, I really appreciate the lyrics of it. Uh, it it leaves you feeling like you recognize and appreciate those less fortunate and what you have, but then it also leaves you hopeful. You know, mm-hmm. so I just love the way he did it. So it's a nine for me. Nice. 
How about the sound? Sound. Uh, I give it a seven. Okay. You know, kind of, kind of comparing it to home. Yep. You know, uh, I feel like it's, it's a nice sounding song, but it doesn't, it doesn't really feature Joe's vocals as well as home does. So, but still nicely had to, had to take off the very last line of the song. He octaves up the ships that don't come in line and he really belts it out. Mm -hmm. And that's the highlight of the song for me. Do you think if they would have done that double time tempo on the chorus of this song, it would have been almost like the exact same song as home. Pretty similar. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of a theme here. (laughs) It's got the, the thing for me for sound that this has that home doesn't have is it has a really nice piano that shines through Uh in home. It's just a poor attempt at a steel uh, or not a steel, a slide guitar, not even poor, just not, not good Mm -hmm. where, but this one has a nice piano. It's got some nice cording and things like that, but it's lacking a fiddle and a steel. <laughs> like there are some times where something should be happening that's not happening. Uh-huh. And I can't help but feel like that was intentional. Like we're going to be turning a new leaf in country music. Yeah. We're not going to put in fiddle and steel. And then they realize, you know, George is like, no, guys, that doesn't work. You got to have it. <laughs> and everybody else is like, OK, we'll just keep it in there. What'd do, you give it? Do, do you think it was uh, like the pure country soundtrack was when that came back really because oh the twin fiddles on yeah oh man here twin fiddles and a steel guitar and the way that song starts with that and everybody was like oh no we got to put that back in our music again i think so (laughs) i mean i don't know if it was that song but i think that's the sentiment yeah i think so yeah what'd you give it uh what are we talking about now sound sound i gave it a seven i gave it a seven as well so did i give all four songs a seven uh i don't know i have to look back at my notes yeah i think i did Wait, what was the sound on home? The sound of rustling paper. I don't know. I can't find it. I've only got your totals. I gave them all sevens. You gave them all sevens? Yeah. Oh. Across the board. <laughs> That's not very thoughtful of me at you're, all. You're not, you're kind not of trying to pick a favorite. I guess not. And um, cultural impact. Cultural impact. Uh, I went seven. Okay. I was gonna go four, okay, because of the fact that it didn't make it to number one and so on and so forth. But because of the fact that this is a song that that really has stood the test of time, and is you know probably maybe even more well known today than it was when it was released. Yeah, you know, I feel like there's some some significance to that. So. I go seven. There you go. You're you are consistently more thoughtful and articulate <laughs> than I am. I went five because it was arbitrary down the middle, and I couldn't find much because I didn't think about it as uh, you know uh, deeply as you did. <laughs> and then I hear you say it, you're like, yeah, that actually sounds right. Well, you know, like I said, like in and of itself, I probably would have gone four, but right, you know, yeah. So that puts me, for this one, at a 21 out of 30. What did you put it at? 22. Okay. Very good. So we, across the board, like your songs better than mine. I guess we do. Yep. There we go. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. So I had it. What was Well, you what, tied, though. I was like 24, your, 21. Your Joe Diffie song. Either. And 25, 21. Yeah. Yeah. As I look back and listen back, I don't regularly listen back, but I think I give too many, like, in that 21-ish range. 
<laughs> I need to get off the fence and either give things stop giving sevens. So, you know, either give things low scores or give things high scores. I can't ride this twenty-one line. Well, I mean, I think you know if you if you just decide in your that that five is like meh. Yeah. You know. And go from there. Like, if I like it, it's better than five. And if I don't like it, it's worse than five. There you go. Then maybe you won't land on seven so often. Sure. I was 25-24 for Kenny today. So, for me, Lucille – or, no, for me, the gambler beat out Lucille for you as well. Uh, and I was uh, tied. Coward, coward of the county. Oh, what did I say? The gambler? You said gambler. I don't know why I said that. Which we did not rate. No. Jeez. Come on, <laughs> self. Uh, I was 25-24, coward over Lucille. Yep. And what were you? I was twenty one eighteen. Okay. Coward over Lucille. And then I was tied at twenty one for basically the same song. Yeah. Home <laughs> and ships that don't come uh, in. And I was twenty two twenty one in favor of okay. ships that don't come in. So there we go. Pretty pretty even. Yeah. You know. And there you have it, folks. I hope I hope that you have caught the honor that I, these guys. Hopefully, we um, did it justice. Th- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. These- I, I actually felt like earlier today when I was kind of mulling things over i was kind of thinking like maybe we shouldn't do scores at all just you know as kind of you know because it's a tribute thing it's not a competition but i mean it is what we do that would cut out most of the show right so yeah we got to do what we do right and you know just like them as individuals they weren't perfect every song of theirs isn't perfect so you know Mm -hmm. we break it down and it's good in Due respect. Now, if if something tragic were to happen to Florida George Line or Sam Hunt or BB Rexa, it would be a tough episode. <laughs> that would be a tough episode. You know, I th- I think we could we could figure a way. We'll come up with something. You know, we're not terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> this was such an easy episode, though, because there was it was like which amazing song do I want to choose uh-huh. of all these amazing songs. So rest I, in peace, I, I you guys. I will say, like, the, just a, kind of a, a amusing aside. I was I was sitting uh, in the living room the other day, just like listening to Kenny Rogers for a few hours, and uh, at one point, like, my wife works from home. She's in the other room on her computer doing her work thing, and uh, at some point, like, she got up from her desk and came into the living room where I was, and she's like, "Are you okay?" Like, what do you mean? She's like, uh, just kind of the tone of what you're listening to. Like, <laughs> are, are you feeling like melancholy? Like, is there something going on that I should know about? I'm like, no, nah, I'm just, just doing some show prep. I'm just doing homework on Kenny Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> that how true is that, though? Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I hope those guys have been thoroughly honored as they deserve it. Um, we're not doing an interview this week. We don't have an honorable mention either. So let's talk about what we're doing next. Mm, this I, is, is going to be fun. I had a wild hair idea. Let me, let me run it by you folks and see. So in January of two. Okay. So Mr. Baker so graciously put together this lengthy spreadsheet. It is the most helpful resource that we have for this entire show. And in January of 2015, one anomaly of all the well-known, recognizable names popped up. And there was a song that went number one for one week in January of 2015 called what? My Baby's... Uh-oh. I didn't actually write the title down. Are you Are you going to give it away? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, go ahead. It's, yeah. Uh... My, uh, 
Yeah, I don't remember. My baby something. <laughs> my baby something or other <laughs> by a guy named Craig Wayne Boyd. So this this was a one-week number one. Yes. Uh, relatively recently by someone that neither of us has ever heard of. Nope. I don't know the song. I've never heard of the guy. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to... Uh, listen to it on our next episode for the first time ever. Like we're both going to listen to it live and in in for the very first time, and um and give it our scores in the moment. It, my baby's got a smile on her face. Okay, is my, the name my of baby's the song. got a smile on her face. So that's how we're gonna we're gonna roll with that. But I'm actually gonna I'm not gonna listen to it, but I am gonna go on and look at the lyrics and content, and I'm gonna score it. Oh, before I hear it. Just I'm gonna read You're the lyrics. Read the lyrics. Yeah. Oh man, that's I feel like that's gonna skew it. Okay, I won't then. I'll just read some background, what I can find out about Mr. Craig, Craig Wayne, Wayne Boyd. Boyd. Sounds like a serial killer name. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's why he only had the one song. Maybe. I don't know. So that's what we're gonna do, and it is up against the song. It's up against. And the honorable mention for that week. Well, I'll just give you the tie-in. Well, one of them carries over. There this is. Week. You know, we do seem to do that in our in our shows. We have a theme that just kind of runs through. So one of them is carryover from this week. And the interesting thing about it is, if that is in fact the honorable mention, it could probably beat out the other two. But <laughs> so I. But we don't know because we've never heard the song. Oh, this is true. <laughs> I might. I'm just assuming I'm not going to like it because it was released in 2015. Um. So that's that's the next episode. So uh, we're we're calling it uh, "My Baby's on Some Beach." My baby's on some beach. I hope that doesn't give away too much. But I, that probably gave away the whole thing. It probably did. But I'm going. Which, to- oddly enough, we discovered while we were talking about setting up this next episode that Craig Wayne Boyd won the Voice. Oh, that's right. Which connects him to Blake Shelton. Right. We've said so, too much. Wow. Yeah. It this all is, ties together. Wow. How okay. do we do this? I, I know. Man. The universe is in our favor. Ships that just keep coming in. Yeah. So next episode, Craig Wayne Boyd. For, we're just going to, neither of us have ever heard it. And we're going to listen to it with you live. It's going to be student versus teacher. <laughs> You're going to listen to us listen to music for <laughs> probably three and a half minutes. <laughs> all well, right. I, I mean, I think we can probably like listen to it one time through when we get here yeah and then we only have to play a clip of it during no no, no we're going live we're, we're doing we're the going whole, live we're just gonna go they're gonna get it. what we get okay well thanks for tuning in folks we would love to interact with you hit us up on our facebook page it's country smackdown or country smackdown at gmail.com let us know what your favorite kenny rogers song is let us know if you like lucille better or if you like coward better let us know your favorite Joe Diffie song. Let us know if you feel like we gave those guys the honor they are due and did this episode justice, or if you feel like we did not uh, show the due honor that, that we should have. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, be back with you really soon for My Baby's on Some Beach. <laughs> Thanks so much for Indeed listening, she. friends. Stay in touch. Bye, everybody. Be good to each other. <laughs>